American Catholic History is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. Hello, welcome to American Catholic History. I'm Noelle Heaster Crow. And I'm Tom Crow. Today we're going to be talking about how Benjamin Franklin helped to select the first Catholic bishop in the United States. But Ben Franklin was a deist, wasn't he? So how did he even know a good Catholic priest? Well, our starting point is in February of 1776. The Continental Congress had decided that they wanted to try to get the provinces of Canada to join in the rebellion against the British crown. So they chose a three-man commission, and they knew this three-man commission had to display to the Canadians that were, you know, that, that the colonies were okay with Catholics, and they had to have people who spoke French because Quebec was a former French colony. French, okay. So it would speak French and it would be Catholic. So they chose Charles Carroll, who was a very wealthy Catholic uh, citizen of, of, of Maryland. Samuel Chase, who also lived in Maryland. He was Protestant, but since he was Protestant and Maryland was majority Catholic, it showed that Catholics and Protestants could live in harmony. And Ben Franklin, who, of course, was just a diplomat, and he was Ben Franklin. Okay, so, so that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But I haven't heard anything about a priest. Right. So they also asked Charles Carroll to ask his brother, or excuse me, his cousin, John Carroll, if he'd be interested in coming along. Obviously, it's a Catholic country. They figured having a, a Catholic priest who could speak French would be, would be helpful. John Carroll could speak French because he had actually studied to be a priest over in France. There were no seminaries, Catholic seminaries in, in the English-speaking world at the time. So he, he, he studied in France. He taught in France for a while. He was a Jesuit. When the Jesuits were suppressed in 1773, he came back and lived on his mother's farm with a bunch of other Jesuits. They would offer mass for the local Catholic community in their private chapel because the, the colony of Maryland had laws against priests offering mass publicly. Okay, so that's the delegation. Let's talk about what they were walking into. What was the atmosphere like in Canada? Did they have any reason to think they might be successful? Well, there, there are two things we need to look at uh, to understand what was happening with Canada versus the, the American colonies, the 13 colonies. In 1774, the British Parliament had passed a thing called the Quebec Act, which restored to the Catholics in Canada a lot of the liberties that they appreciate that they had back when they were still a, a French province, French colony. So they had just received a lot of their religious liberty back. Kind of in response to this, later in 1774, Suffolk County, Massachusetts, which is Boston, passed a measure called the Suffolk Resolves, which said, quote, Catholicism is dangerous in an extreme degree to the Protestant religion and to the civil rights and liberties of all America. A number of other counties in Massachusetts passed similar laws. The Suffolk Resolves became, uh, they were actually taken by Paul Revere to the Continental Congress in Philadelphia where they were endorsed by the Continental Congress, thus making anti-Catholicism almost the policy of the Continental Congress. So that's, that happened in 1774. In 1775, at the beginning of the, Civil, uh, the Revolutionary War, the Continental Army had actually invaded Canada in, a, in, an, in an effort to you know, assert themselves and say, hey, we can, we can take on the British Empire, you Canadians should join us, um, and you know, we will all rise up together. Initially, it was successful. They, they had a lot of military victories and they held some land, but eventually the British sent more troops and the British started winning the land back. So it, while initially the Canadians were saying, hey, maybe this can work, maybe we should join on, 
when it started to falter, the, the interest waned. So those were the two, a strain of anti-Catholicism in the colonies, and then not quite as militarily strong as maybe they thought. Those two things are, were the background for the storm that the, this expedition was walking into. Okay, so with that as the background, let's talk about the expedition itself. They actually had difficulty right from the beginning, even before they got to Quebec, because they set out in March Mm -hmm. and they were heading north Mm -hmm. through. um, We didn't have highways and things at the time to get north. So heading up north. Through the wilderness. Through the wilderness and in cold weather, I assume probably snow or other things like that. Mm -hmm. Yes. And Ben Franklin was sick. So Ben Franklin is already 70 years old at this point. He's ill. He was actually sending letters. In letters he was writing to friends, he was actually saying, basically, I think I'm going to die on this trip. So, and then when they get there, the reception was almost colder than the weather. Nobody wanted to talk to them. And and in fact, the Bishop of Quebec had ordered his priests and all religious to not speak with John Carroll because he was seen as a traitor to the faith because he's he's here with these these anti-Catholic Americans. So it was it was a disaster. So the delegation sees they're not getting anywhere. Franklin, as you said, was ill. So he decides it's a waste of time. I'm going to go home. Yes, he did. And Carol decided to go with him for two reasons. One, he also saw the futility and his own presence was a problem. And then two, he was concerned for Franklin because Franklin was sick and he was 70. So when he wasn't sure that he would make it back. So he he went back with Franklin and took care of him. Uh, and Franklin did survive the trip back, due in large part to John Carroll's compassionate care. And, that, and Franklin never forgot, you know, the kindness and the generosity that uh, John Carroll showed to him. And that came into play a few years later after the colonists had gained their independence. Yes. After independence, the Vatican recognized they had a problem. All the Catholics in the new United States had, or they were still under the jurisdiction of the Bishop of the District of London. So they recognized that these new American Catholics needed their own bishops so they wouldn't be seen as suspects and you know, possibly traitors because they're still subject to this English bishop. So the nuncio in Paris approaches Ben Franklin because Ben Franklin was the ambassador to France. And initially Franklin said, oh, no, I, I, I couldn't do that. We have separation of church and state. I can't tell you who to appoint. But let me tell you about my good friend, John Carroll. He's, this, he's a great guy. And, you know, when, when it comes to diplomatic circles, a wink is as good as a nod, and Carol's name was put in. A few years later, in 1789, Pope Paul VI announces that John Carroll is the new Bishop of Baltimore. So Ben Franklin gave us a lightning rod. He gave us bifocals and also John Carroll as the first bishop of the United States. Not a bad track record. You've been listening to American Catholic History on the StarQuest Production Network. To learn more about today's topic, to find previous episodes, and to send feedback, please visit sqpn.com slash history. You can email us at history at sqpn.com or follow StarQuest on social media at facebook.com slash starquestmedia or on Twitter at sqpn. I'm Noelle Heaster-Crow. And I'm Tom Crow. Thank you once again for joining us on American Catholic History on StarQuest. <laughs>